For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we spoke, what, a fortnight ago? Yeah, well, I say the West Ham game was a bit of, was a bit of a kick in the privates, wasn't it? But I must admit, after this weekend, feeling a bit better. Thanks, mate. Not to mention, James, you were also off on a scouting trip last week. So how have things been with you? Yeah, not too bad. Hopefully you didn't miss us too much. Um, but it's good to have the boys back together to chat about Tottenham again. Uh, no, obviously, it was great to get uh, Holly and Chris on the show last week. So we held the fort fine, which also means this week we are joined by Patrick again. So, Patrick, I hope all is well, my friend, and you are going to be bringing the energy levels this evening. Yep, yep, yep. It's all about the energy or energy, <laughs> as you like to say. <laughs> yes. He's... So, yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Top man, he's there already. Right, OK, before we take stock of the past, is it seven or eight days? I don't know anymore. And all the other talking points from the rest of the week. It's time for the hit segment. Tell us about yourself. Now, Patrick, you've already stepped up to the plate, so we know more about you. So I think I'm going to throw the questions to James this week. James, are you ready? Absolutely. I've heard everyone else go through a, a little bit of a grilling, so I, I guess it might as well be my turn. OK, let's do it then. So, James, when did you first start supporting Tottenham? Uh, I think a lot, like a lot of uh, a lot of other Tottenham fans, I, I had no choice. As soon as I popped out, I, I, had, a, I had a scarf around me. Um, so I, I'm going to go ahead and say 23 long years of supporting Tottenham. OK, in those 23 long years, who's been your favourite player growing up? So my favourite player growing up, um, the, probably the player that I, I, I adored watching when I first was watching Tottenham. I first remember watching Tottenham. That's Mr Robbie Keane. Um, you know, the, the, the guy that you always try to emulate his celebration. Um, a, a great player for us and I just remember being absolutely heartbroken. When he left for Liverpool, and then similar to, to Bale coming back when he when he came back to Spurs, that's the you know, I've already had that feeling once now. I've had it twice, but yeah, Robbie Keane, he's he's probably my my all time favourite Tottenham player. And who is your favourite player in the current squad? Barring the uh, the obvious um, Harry Kane, you know we've we've had we've had that answer a few times on the pod, um, but I think with with the current crop of players that we've got, you, you can't look any further than Sonny. Um, I think. A player who who plays football with with such passion and and it actually looks like he enjoys playing football so much, and enjoys playing football for Tottenham, which is which is a massive thing for myself. Um, I, I absolutely love watching Sonny play. I think he's he is a hundred percent everything that Tottenham should be about and is about, and he's it's, it's just a great asset to have in the squad. And finally, which player have you always had a soft spot for, which is perhaps a little left field? Um, I mean, whether you call it left field or not, I think. I think there's more fans than, than not fans, but I I, I absolutely love Super Pav. Pav, um, wow. Well. You know, what a Super shout. Pav Lichenko. I think he's he's a player that so many of us hold so dear for absolutely no apparent reason. Uh, just because he he always gave his all. He always popped up with, with a goal at an important time. Um, and, you know, he he never really got the crack at, at the first team, maybe because he had, had so many good players in front of him. But... I think he's a player that no no Spurs fan would actually have a bad word to say about. Um, but yeah, if I if we ever got the chance to to see Super Pav as part of the coaching setup or anything like that, just just for the fun of it, I think it'd be absolutely amazing. 
Great answers, James. Right, that was Tell Us About Yourself for this week. Now it's time to get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect last night and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come On You Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. Of course, this is recorded on Tuesday night, but you get the idea. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at CIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You name it. If we're not on one, let us know. We'll get it on there so we're all happy. Right, let's get down to business. And that business is actually, to start with, a raft of listeners' questions. So thanks to anyone and everyone who sent them in. There's no particular order, no real link, but we'll just rattle through them anyway. So, Carl, you're up first. There's one from JJTHFC, who's been on the show, and he says, would top four now be considered an anticlimactic finish domestically after the start we've had? Yes, it's a great question. Um, I would have to say no, if I'm honest, because I, I do think we have to be very careful. You know, I think lots of us are now starting to get these ideas of a title challenge um, and winning something. I still think there's a long way to go. Um, and defensively, I think we still need a lot of improving. And, and I think ultimately that will probably be what costs us what I would call a genuine title shout. Um, so for me, if we were to get top four and back in the Champions League, then I think that could be job done. And then potentially, you know, we're looking at possibly one of the cups if we could pick one of those up. Um, and I would be more than more than happy with that because I do think we just probably need to taper the excitement we've got around us at the moment and, and what this squad might be able to achieve. It would be great, but I still think top four has got to be the goal. Yeah, because I think if you look at people's expectations at the very start of the season before a board being kicked and without the influx of new signings, you're probably thinking top six at best. So expectations have risen, which is understandable. But I think you are right, Carl, that you don't want to go all the way. There's a lot of football and you might only finish fourth by a point and think, actually, that's par. It's all about where you sort of get close to or what happens sort of further down the line. So I think where we currently are, it's about a fair assumption of where you'd like to finish. But of course, you can dream big, but just temper it slightly. James, you've got a slightly easier one without going into the match in too much detail because we'll do that in a bit. Do you think Kane should have been man of the match last night? Uh, no, um, I think Toby was an absolute colossus last night. I thought he was brilliant. Um, a really good all-round defensive performance. Uh, and although, you know, Harry obviously got the highlights, he, he that, that great goal line clearance and then the assist, I, I don't think he was, he was man in the match worthy. Um, I think that the, the defence was, was absolutely fantastic. And I, I think that either Dyer or, uh, Alderweireld should, should have, should have been, uh, should have been man in the match last night. And... Patrick, one from Jack Law here. Jack, thanks for sending this in. He says, do you think Kane and Son have now become the best strike partnership in the club's history? Ooh, in the club's history. That's a tough one. It's a big one. Um, yeah, it's a big one. I mean, you know, sometimes we always... Fans are very reactionary, aren't we? Like, you know, if we win a game, we're title contenders, we lose one or two, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's all doom and gloom. So I don't want to get too caught up in the moment. But yeah, I'm going to go bold and say yes. If, if if we're looking at it, Sonning, I mean, I think Kane could go down as probably our best ever striker if he continues doing what he's doing. Sonny's up there with the best of them. So, yeah, why not? I mean, and, and uh, the goal collaborations or the contributions between them two speaks for itself. They're, set, they're joint second now, aren't they, on the all-time Premier League list. So, if you're looking at the numbers, then, yeah, why not? Patrick's gone big early. I don't think we've got time to pick that apart, but save that one for future weeks because, Carl, Christopher Manuel has asked, do you think Eric Dyer is currently our best centre-back at the club? 
God, this is a tough one, isn't it? Um, again, I think, you know, I think one of our problems is we, we have got centre-halves who kind of can be quite patchy with their form. You know, Dyer's quite capable of some mistakes. So is Toby, so is, so is Sanchez. Um, I still think probably Toby's our best centre-half for experience and the way he plays the game. Uh, but I do think probably our strongest pairing is Toby and, and Dyer. But I still think, for me, Toby probably nicks it um, over Dyer just slightly. There's not much in it, uh, but for me, he still nicks it. And James, Christopher's also been kind of sending a second question. So he says, after watching last night, how much of a miss was Regulion in terms of attacking play? Because he feels that the ball went to Davis quite a lot in the attacking third, and all he'd do was play it safe or pass it backwards. Is that fair criticism or an assessment? What do you think? I think I think they're obviously both very different styles of left back. Um, I think obviously we, we're a little bit more solid at the back when when Davis is there, but there's naturally not not the style going forward um, in terms of delivery as well. I think Davis is, can be a little bit erratic with his with his crossing, um, and not only on on the ball. I think the runs that that Reguilon makes makes a lot more space for for the rest of the players. So it's not just uh, the the left hand side directly that's that's affected, I think, the runs that, that Reguilar makes and the fact that the right back has to always be wary that he's you know he's going to be on the overlap. Um, I think it, it completely changes the dynamic of the game. Um, that said, he can't play every game. We know we know we've got so much football to play. Uh, I think obviously we're going to have to use Ben Davis quite quite often um, unless Tanganga comes back and maybe fills in a left back. But we're going to have to get used to to the fact that we can't use him in every game. Um, I think he he would have obviously suited the game last night because we saw quite a lot of Ben Davis in in the first half especially. Um, but for me, we, we you know we we were very solid at the back and and you can't tell whether we would have been that solid at the back if if Reguilon was there as well. So quite a pragmatic answer for myself. But um, obviously we're, we're we're better going forward when Reguilon's there. But I, I'm I'm still happy with the performance from last night with with Davis there as well. I thought he had a quite a solid game despite a lot of the stick that you got on Twitter. And Patrick, talking of performance, Murray Da Costa asks, why does Sissoko get a game in general? He feels <laughs> that he brings nothing to the team. Now, I think that's a little bit too scathing. What do you think? Uh, you know what? Um, on this one, you know what? I love Sissoko as a player. I love, his, as we said, his energy. I love what he brings in that regard and his passion. But, yeah, as a footballer, he's not great. He's not easy on the eye. And um, I felt yesterday, I mean... Depending on the game that we're playing, when a team's going to sit back in two banks of four like a Burnley and play that really ugly type of football and just, you know, basically give us the ball and say, go ahead, break us down. Suzoko's not great at that because as soon as the ball comes to him, he basically passes it off like a hot potato. He doesn't want possession and he won't look forward. So a lot of the times when we're getting an attack or building momentum, when it gets to Suzoko, that momentum stops because he just basically breaks it up by passing backwards or passing it off without even looking at attacking the man or looking forward so yeah it, I'll have to agree with him in, oh. on yesterday's performance so well I think I think to be fair Murray Costa has probably been sort of as his whole career so I don't think we can sort of just say that Sissoko shouldn't play because of last night I think personally he's still got a purpose you could argue that if you took the strongest 11 and whether you put Sissoko in that strong 11 that's probably the one player that when we get to the next 
summer or the next transfer window, you then look to sort of regenerate and improve there. I think he's still got a role to play, especially this season with the, the amount of cups we're in. So I wouldn't sort of throw him out just yet, but you are sort of thinking age as well, that probably he's now in the sort of downward spiral of his career. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to agree with you there. So I wouldn't say that he's definitely got a part to play in this team. And I do think he is a, a, a worthy player of the shirt. But yeah, I wouldn't go as far as, like you said, just throwing him out because he is a good player and he does have a purpose. But he didn't have a great game yesterday. So maybe that's where that's coming from. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Right. Trevor Nell has been kind enough to send in three questions. So you get one each. Now, we touched on Ben Davis, so let's just sort of go back to that one. And I think we've also touched, Carl, on the fact that he could play left-sided centre-back. The question is now, with Joe Roden, do we really need that to happen? No, I think, you know, we, we've gone through the squad, haven't we? We've got two players per position. So, for me, I think we have to stick, you know, with Ben Davies and, and Reglion swapping on a certain basis. I think last night what we probably saw was Jose probably thinking, listen... This is going to be a side that are going to be physical and might look to use, you know, that left side if we played regularly on as someone that they might have been able to take advantage of aerially and physically. Um, so he probably thought Ben Davies might be the more solid option in there. Um, and as James said earlier, the, the problem you have there is that Ben Davies going forward, unfortunately, isn't as adventurous. He isn't going to be as effective when you go forward. But the payoff for that is you might just be more slightly solid at the back. And I think yesterday that was the whole reason why he probably was picked ahead of Reglion for that one game. Um, I think if you play Burnley at home, then it's a different lineup and Reglion gets the game. But for me, I think we stick Ben Davies and we keep him at fullback and those two will rotate when there's a need for for them to do it. James, he also asks the reason behind Tange Indumbele's uh, constant inclusion. You know, why is he getting in, in the side in front of others in terms of midfield? I think simply because he's playing very well. Um, I think, obviously, Jose wasn't the biggest fan when he, when he first came in. I think maybe he wasn't training very well. His fitness was certainly a massive issue. Uh, and I think the the way that his attitude has changed and the way that his performances has changed mean that he's he's warranted his his selection in the starting eleven in quite a lot of our games. And and do you know what? I, I think he's deserved it. I think he's been fantastic. Um, he he certainly. I don't think he's like. There's not another footballer like him in the world in the way that he plays football. I I I, I don't. Like he, you can't compare him to anyone. Um, he is a completely unique player. And once he once he really does settle in and really get a feel for the Premier League, I think we've got a real serious player on our hands there. And I'm, I'm hoping that we get to see him next to Lacelso at some point because then that's two two out of three, call it centre midfielders there, who can who can really you can trust to play a pass. And if we've got players making runs in behind you, you really would put your life on them being able to pick pick them out. So I, th- I think he, he's completely deserved his, his inclusion in the team. Hopefully he can stay fit and hopefully Jose can keep giving him the, the run of, of games that, that I think he needs because he's a real confidence player, you can tell. Uh, and he's only going to get more and more confident if he's starting games, getting more assists and hopefully chipping in with the odd goal himself. So it, it's, it's great to see if you ask me. And Patrick, with that in mind, Trevor's last question is regarding Deli Ali and how does he force his way back into the Premier League squad? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, he's just got to keep doing what he's doing, training hard, working hard. When he gets his chance in the Europa Games, take it. I mean, like last week, he had a one-on-one chance where he should have buried it. He's got to put those chances away and just keep knocking on the door. I mean, we've got so many games in such a short space of time 
And you know, we all know we'll have injuries and players will need will drop off. There will be rotation. So get, he'll get his chance, but he just needs to take him when it comes. Right, that's the raft of listeners' questions for this week. Thanks for helping me for my homework and all that. So don't hold back from any other week from sending them in. It's always good to get other people's opinions. So much appreciated there. I best earn my money now with some questions on my own. And Cole, I guess after picking up a smash and grab win against Burnley, shall we say, it goes a long way to softening the blow of the week before. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's nice to probably be on the kind of flip side of, of what we've had happen to us, um, say, the last few weeks, isn't it? When we've been the better side, um, probably deserved a win and not got them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to kind of get a result if you sort of think, well, you know, it wasn't the best performance. But thankfully, we've gone and managed to nick the points. We've kept a clean sheet. Um, you won't always play well. You won't always be able to go and score five and sixes um, in certain games. And, and Burnley's a tough place to go. And, and they'll upset many a team as, as they have over their, their past in the Premier League. So for me, it wasn't pretty, but it got the job done. It's put us in a really good position. And the only thing it has done is just made you look and think, oh, you know, if only we could have got, you know, four of those points that we probably should have had now in those games against West Ham and Newcastle. But, you know, you've got to take it. You say you can't play that expensive football and you won't be scoring four and five every week. So for me, it wasn't pretty, but job done. And, and that's the main thing for us right now. Well, James, Carl's just mentioned my next point because you hate to be the ifs and buts man, but I will say it anyway. Had we not chucked to the lead at West Ham, or sorry, against West Ham, we'd be sitting top of the table right now. So, does that mean there's an element of frustration or a sense of hang on? There's even more to come. I mean, it's it's clearly both, isn't it? Um, I think if you ask me if I'm being really sceptical, I think that, that late equaliser against West Ham is part of the reason why I don't think we can win the Premier League. Um, I think we, we're probably mentally quite weak uh, and and sometimes you can you can just see us throwing games away um, before it actually happens. So hopefully I'm wrong, and hopefully that's what Jose is here to do and, and to drill that that mentality out of us. And and hopefully we can see out games more. Um, but you know you can't help but wonder. You know the that last minute decision Eric Dyer against Newcastle, the that horrendous showing in the last ten minutes against West Ham. We'd, we'd have such an impeccable record. So on, on the one hand, you look at us and think, well, I mean, we, we, are, we really are a force when we get going. Look at the Southampton game. Look at the first 20 minutes against West Ham. Uh, and then you, you see perform, performances like the first half against Burnley, a little bit lacklustre, a little bit slow. Um, and then you start to question things. You start to question whether the, the squad's got the, the mentality, whether we've got a plan B. Uh, or whether we're just going to crumble and, and be the cereal bottlers that, that so many people think we are. So I'm, I'm really caught in two minds about it. Obviously, wishful thinking, I want, I'm looking at our squad, looking at the depth in our squad and thinking this is probably the best squad that we've, we've ever assembled and this is probably the best, best opportunity that we're going to have. But also, on the other hand, we, we are <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur, we are serial bottlers and so far this season we have managed to bottle a lot, you know some big points that you know last year Liverpool probably wouldn't have bottled and you know the Man City title winning teams wouldn't have bottled either so I, I'm trying to be as positive as possible because I think the, the positive mental attitude is really really important but uh, on the other hand we support Spurs Dan so you know 
Well, there is that, but I guess, you know, a lot of people have said this is a season like no other. And if it is going to be like this for the next 32 weeks, then we're in for a treat. And I also think there's going to be drop points everywhere. So, yes, you want to win as many games as you can. That's simple. But sometimes when other results go your way, you can get away with not necessarily winning all the time. So it's all about relativity to your rivals. With that in mind, Patrick, if I try and paint the scenario that sometimes people forget what happens at the start of a season. You know, we've dropped four points at home. Those four points could be really important. But let's say you get to the penultimate week of the season and you lose away at, I don't know, Crystal Palace for sake of a team. I don't know if that's true. But let's say that happens and you then lose the title. Everyone then defines that game as the game where you've bottled it and you've thrown it all away and all that. So drop points across the course of the season can be really important. So do we need to get tied up in what's happened or just worry about you know what's going to come in the next few months? I think we need to take lessons or take heed from what happened at Newcastle and especially at West Ham, but then keep moving forward because I genuinely believe there's a lot more positives than negatives. Uh, We've scored the most goals in the Premier League. Son has got the most goals himself individually. Harry Kane's the assist leader. As a team, like... um, uh, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, when we get going, we're frightening. I mean, against Man United as well, that wasn't mentioned. We put them to the sword. So if we can keep doing that, like yesterday's performance wasn't easy on the eye, but we got the job done. So I do believe that there's a lot more for us to be positive about than negative about. So as long as we take lessons from what's happened, I think we'll be more than OK. And we just need to look at it that way. Instead of mulling over the drop points, which I know is frustrating, there's a lot more to come. And every other team is dropping points as well. So let's just use that and, and just make sure we get more than them and we'll be more than OK. Now, it's fair to say we've been generous at home. But, Carl, in terms of generosity, I think we have to talk about Harry Kane and his assist for Human Song last night. Now, looking at that, do you think they've actually worked on that on the training field? Or is it just one of those moves that comes off due to them having such a great understanding? No, I was very surprised last night, to be honest, Dan, because after that goal, you know, some of the commentators were talking like that was a pre-planned set-piece play. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's the sort of, you know, in-sync Son and Kane, where, to be honest, I think that was more a case of Kane has just done what he needed to and get a flick on. And thankfully, Son was the one who luckily was at the end of it and manages to stick a good header away. I, I was a little amused by the fact that they were trying to make it a little bit more than it was and that it was men and that's the game plan. I think we just got lucky. You know, each player did what they needed to and it came off. Uh, and, you know, thankfully for us, that resulted that resulted in the goal. But I, I think any sort of anyone, if anyone's got any illusions that that was a pre-planned goal that they've got and, you know, that that's the great minds thinking. I think that's a little bit far fetched um, on that occasion. You know, they do normally link up really well, but I don't think that was one of those pre-planned um, routines. I think as well, Dan, just to go back as well, what we're saying, the guys were saying before, I think what we have to remember as well, when we're talking about the drop points, it's not just the four against Newcastle and West Ham. You've got seven points we've dropped so far yeah. at home because of a defeat to Everton on the first day. A team that ideally at home, we would probably sit there and go, we'd fancy our chances of winning. Um, so again, you know, when we look back, potentially when the end of this season comes, if we've missed out on a title by, say, three or four points or five points, you'd sit there and look at those those three games recently and go, well, that, that's where the title possibly could have been lost um, in those three games, not just the Newcastle and West Ham ones. Very fair point, actually. I forgot about that. I guess, really, are they drop points if you never had the points in the first place? But anyway, I digress. Let's move on. Because, James, 
It has started. Sky are trying to sell Human Sun to Liverpool or Manchester City. Now, I think perhaps, unfortunately, the footballing world is just starting to wake up to how good he really is. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, and there's no way that they could afford him, mate. Um, there's, I think we, we all know Daniel, Daniel Levy is a negotiator. Um, what he's like selling to, to other Premier League clubs, historically, it's not going to happen. Um, plus, he's, he's one of the best players that we've had in the Premier League era. And so the, the transfer fee that we could command for him is, is above and beyond anything that those clubs could, could even think about paying. Um, there's, there's no chance that, that he's leaving Tottenham. He, he brings a lot more to the club um, in, uh, than just on the pitch. You know, on the pitch, he's absolutely electric. Goals, assists, incredible. But also, you know, that, that stat this week about how 20% of South Koreans support Tottenham now, um, you know, that, that's all down to him. You know, he brings so much into the club in terms of tourism and, uh, and, and things like that, that he, he's probably one of the most valuable players in the world just for that reason. Plus the fact that he's amazing on the pitch. I, th- I think there's absolutely no chance he's, he's going to leave Spurs. Well, with that in mind, Patrick, there has also been talk of a new contract, one that could be worth as much as £150,000 a week. So that's a lot in terms of Tottenham's pay scale. But when you think about it, that's an absolute bargain for some of his talents. Uh, yeah, he's worth it. Pay him what he wants. Pay him what he wants because he's worth it. I mean, like, um, yeah, he just... He's amazing. Goals, assists, his runs, his creativity, and even just his work rate. And uh, he's just relentless. And he's somebody that doesn't shy away from the ball as well. You know, we 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 understand there's games where he might not be having the best of games, but he'll still pick up that ball and try and run at somebody or make things happen. So, yeah, uh, his performances alone have shown that he's he's definitely worth it. And we need to tie him up as well because people are now starting to realise, I don't know what's taken him so long, but they're all starting to realise how good he is and we don't want other people sniffing around whilst his contract's running down. Absolutely not. Patrick says, hands off. There you go, you've been sold. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, definitely. Talking of hands, or shall we say elbows, Cole, Ashley Barnes, a nasty elbow on Alderweireld. Did he mean to do him or is that just a bit of an accidental collision? No, I think there was some intent in there, Dan. You know, I had to laugh as well at a certain point in the game. You know, when you consider Barnes got away with that without even as much as a yellow, you have an incident in the second half um, where Son um, gets fouled just outside the box. And when you actually see the replay, in theory, it's just two players who've gone for a ball. One's got there slightly earlier than the other, and they just catch feet. But the Burnley player gets booked. And yet in the first half, you have a player purposely jumping with his elbow into the defender's face. Um, and and he, he means it. He knows what he's doing. The arm is there to protect him. And also, well, you know, if, if, I, if you come near me, you catch a bit of this. And yet I'm amazed that we can look at that incident and nothing happens about it. And yet we have this so-called endangerment, you know, and endangering a player. Well, have we not learnt the lessons from things in the past with like the likes of Gary Mabbott um, and John Fashionu, you know, with someone having their possible eye socket broken? Um, and we saw the damage inflicted on Toby in that incident where he has a cut above his eye and thankfully was able to carry on. But he could easily have ended up having to go off and not being able to carry the game on. And yet that just suddenly seems to be looked at and it's like, no, nah, it's OK. You know, yeah, he led with the elbow, but oh well. Um, I was very surprised because for me, I, I think he means it. Um, and, and that's the sort of thing I, I think we need to see those sort of things stamped out of the game because it, it has been going on for a long while. 
Um, yes, you've got to jump with your arms, but you don't, you know, make an L, you know, you don't bend your arm and jump with your elbow towards someone. Um, so for me, I, I think Barnes was lucky. You know, I think he possibly could have seen red. He certainly should have seen yellow, that's for sure. Yeah, that's no accident, really. Let's be honest. Barnes has got previous for it as well. So that skirmish, I think we were fortunate that, as you say, Carl, Alderweireld managed to last the game. Although it did make me laugh when they spent, what, four minutes trying to band him up. <laughs> yeah, and then, then... banded, not over the cup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, what are you doing? And then, like, just, you're still sort of gaping out. You think, oh, God. But thankfully, the eye didn't swell up. He saw out the 90 minutes and we got all three points. So that eye wasn't really covered. But talking of cover, James... There was certainly a lot of that in the sticks last night. So Hugo Lloris had a really inspired performance, I thought, and was just as important in his goal than Spurs were in the attacking third of the pitch late on. Honestly, mate, I, th- I think if if uh, if obviously Bale hadn't come back to Tottenham, uh, Kane and Son weren't as, as absolutely on fire as they are, I think this would be the biggest success story and the biggest news story coming out of Spurs. But it's kind of gone under the radar. He's been absolutely brilliant since, since you know, snapping his arm off. He's been... <laughs> He's been one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Um, I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant last night. He, he not just the shot stopping ability. Um, he was coming out. He was he was catching crosses that, you know, we, he might have punched a couple of years ago. He was quite erratic when he was punching crosses. Um, but I think you can see now, and I think you know during the documentary as well that that showed a lot for me that he, he you know, people were questioning why he was captain over Harry Kane because Harry Kane seems to do a lot of the talking. Um, but he behind the scenes he does so much as Tottenham skipper, and between the sticks he he is absolutely fantastic. So I, I haven't got a bad word to say about him. And for a goalkeeper to to come back from that injury, I, I remember after after that Brighton game we were talking about Lloris like he was never going to come back from that injury. He was finished. Um, you know, bringing his age into account, we thought he was never going to be the same goalkeeper ever again. Um, but he's he's come back even better if you ask me and. Hopefully we're not jinxing it and he's not going to throw the ball in his own net in the next game. Um, but I think it's a real, real success story coming from Tottenham that that Lloris has managed to come back from from that injury and, and be the player, if not the better player, than he was before because he's been so important. And under Mourinho, he's probably been the, one of the most consistent performers. And Patrick, we were talking about Kane's assist earlier. More importantly, what about his goal line clearance minutes before? Because when you look at that, for a striker, that's an incredible amount of defensive awareness. Oh, mate, that's that's the thing. His intelligence as a footballer is A1. He's up there with the best of them. The way he reads the game, A, like the passing, making the runs, anticipating where people are going to be. But for him to cut back the way he did and then obviously position himself to get... Because Doherty was there as a defender covering that space, but he wouldn't have got to the ball. So, But the way Kane obviously headed that ball and made sure, made, got good contact on it and got it away impeccable amazing you know so he stopped he stopped a certain goal and then made one minutes later so in terms of Monday night I think that's about it to be honest but Cole do you want to add anything about Lamella's introduction just before the hour (laughs) I I was quite surprised because you know at, at a certain point I didn't think that was the right substitution um to make at that point and the way the game was going but I guess again like as you're saying I think like with the Davies situation I think Jose then at that point is probably thinking, I need someone to get, who get on now who isn't going to shy away from the ball, isn't going to shy away from getting stuck in. And as we all know, Lamella certainly won't shy away from those situations. So maybe Jose got that right in the end. Well, this is it. You know, if you go on to win the game, everyone lords a substitution, it's fine. 
at the time, you're thinking, well, actually, why not Gareth Bale? With that in mind, James, the obvious talking point will be, you know, when is he going to get these regular minutes? When is he going to sort of hit his groove? You could say after the win, well, we didn't need him anyway. Ultimately, it's a gamble that paid off. But was Burnley ever going to be the game to get those substantial minutes? No, I was I was trying to explain this 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 morning um, to to a non Tottenham fan, and I, I, I do you know what at the time on Twitter, obviously there's there's always going to be out, outrage when when Lamella comes off the off the bench and, and Bale sat there, Vinicius sat there. Um, I I thought it was exactly the right substitution. I thought Bale wasn't the man to to have to get any minutes against Burnley, and that's coming from the the, the biggest Gareth Bale advocate in the entire universe. I, I I don't think he he was the right player for that game, so I think Bale obviously is a is a player who thrives off space and like likes to to run at defenders and get in between the lines. I and there were not there was no space. Burnley had every man behind the ball. They sat quite deep. Um, their defenders were constantly on the half turn, so they were they were never ever going to get beaten in behind. And and I think Bale would would have struggled in that game. I think Lamella coming on. A player who's who's quite tidy with the ball at his feet, um, close control is is obviously second to none. Um, I think it was exactly the right substitution because there was such little space. He, he's 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 you know his his dribbling ability is is great. So I thought it was it was a really good substitution and the fact that we kind of lacked a, lacked a bit of energy and and we know Lamella coming off the bench is is a little ball of energy. He's like Duracell bunny running around the pitch. So I, I thought exactly the right substitution. And with the games coming thick and fast, we haven't got to worry about the fact that Bale didn't get on the pitch because he's, he's going to play another hour in, in the week. He's, he's, going to, he's going to get more games and, and there's plenty of them. So I, I thought tactically we got it right. I, I haven't moaned about Tottenham once because the, the only thing I have moaned about was Burnley. And I'd just like, to be, like it to be put on record now that I cannot wait for Burnley to be out of the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it just I, I felt sorry for Burnley fans I feel sorry for, for anyone watching that who doesn't have an attachment to, to Tottenham because there's there's no enjoyment watching that kind of football I think it, it was just it was complete and utter anti-football and uh, I, I can't wait for them to be back in the championship where they belong I've, I've, I'm thoroughly done with Burnley I think we're safe for any Burnley fans listening so James you got away with that one Patrick, in terms of uh, minutes, those minutes of battle did actually come the previous Thursday and we're off the mark in the Europa League in perfect fashion. So what do you make of his showing against Lask? It was okay. It was all right. It was, I mean, he, even at the end of the game, he came out and said, you know, this is my mini pre-season. I've got like five games to get in shape, get my fitness, get my sharpness. Uh, he, he basically did what I thought he would do. A few clever runs in behind, a few, a few neat passes, but you know, what can we really expect? Someone hasn't really played in three or four months and is coming back from an injury. So, yeah, um, like like James said, um, you know, hopefully he gets about 60-odd minutes uh, on Thursday and then he just builds from that. But I, I totally agree with James. Uh, Burnley was not the game for him because there would have been nothing for him to run in behind of. He would have, yeah, they just couldn't find him because Burnley are just so anti and negative. So uh, Lamella coming on was the right uh, was the right thing for that game. And Thursday, I'm sure Bale and Delhi will get the minutes that they need as well. Talking of minutes, Carl, Vinicius was given his first start. And if that's the kind of Europa League output we can come to expect, things look pretty handy up front. 
Yeah, well, I think that that's probably what we've been wanting, isn't it? You know, someone where we can finally give Kane a rest in certain games and against opposition where you like to think, well, we probably shouldn't need to run him out. Um, and like, as you say, for a first game, you know, obviously nerves and everything like that. Um, I thought he did reasonably well, you know, and as you say, the, the two touches for the goals, you know, the pass into Lucas made it an opportunity where he couldn't really miss. And the cushion header for Son's goal, that is a class touch, you know, just to get that slight delicate, take the power off it and put it right into the run was really good. So he can only build from that. Um, and I think, as we say, it is what we're crying out for, that you know, man who can take some pressure off a of cane, give him some minutes rest when we don't need to. Um, and so for me, job done. And like I say, if he can build from that sort of performance, then it looks like we could have a decent player on our hands, that's for sure. Absolutely. Also, James, that was the first of two... Clean sheets in all competitions, back to back, shall we say? So, what did you make of Joe Hart's offering last Thursday? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Obviously, he's he's still a, a decent shot stopper after all. Um, I think it's been highlighted before that he uh, he obviously commands his defence a lot more than Hugo is a lot more vocal, um, and and we seem pretty organised. Um, obviously, the calibre of opposition, we're not going to get too excited. Um, but in terms of a second team goalkeeper, there's 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 not much to moan about there. I think he's a, he's obviously a, a good second string keeper. Now Patrick, bandage players seem to be in vogue for Tottenham at the moment, as Pierre Hoiberg was also in the wars last Thursday. With that said, that was a very impressive performance, and he's quickly putting that Everton drab affair on the opening day behind him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the double pirouette that he did. Oh, yeah. Um, the first one, yeah, I was like, whoa. And the second one, I was like, you know what? Hats off to you. He looks comfortable, assured. You can see he's a leader. And um, he's bringing something different, um, you know, that still, but also a bit of quality as well. Um, and he's a, a lot cuter with the ball than what, what I thought he was anyway. So, yeah, no, definitely. He's looking good. And he's settling in nicely. Well, just confidence, because that kind of move, I know that, Opposition is lesser, shall we say, but you're not doing that against Everton on day one, are you? So just to be able to do that and think, actually, this is a player who's quickly getting his tails up can only be good for us as a whole. And if he sort of can kick on even further, then we've got a real player on our hands. And dare I say, might be the sort of, how should we frame this? The, uh, what do you call it? I can't think of the word. The, uh, when you're sort of not, you don't get the plaudits you should. The unsung hero. He got there in the end. Yes, yes that's the one. <laughs> yes. I'm going to leave that in. Yes, the unsung hero. So, <laughs> talking of unsung heroes, Carl, what kind of changes will be made for Royal Antwerp on Thursday? Will there be any sort of players given more of a, a chance to shine? Will it be more of the same that we saw on Monday? Will there be much rotation? What do you think? I think Jose will probably go back to that team that played um, on Thursday night. You know, I think we might be finding that he's got he's got a side for the Europa League, especially in the group stage, because we should be confident that, you know, we're the strongest side in the group. We should be able to get through this. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to disrespect everyone so easily, but we should really be getting through this group comfortably um, and not having to kind of put out the first team and play the big players when we don't need to. You know, that will come the later we get into this tournament. So I don't think we'll see many probably go to the bench again. We'll see Bow start and try to build up those minutes. And I you know, I think, you know, Sanchez probably comes back in. Um, Reglion will probably get a game. Aurier will probably get a game. So I think there'll be a few changes. Um, but that doesn't worry me because 
this is the joy of having a squad finally. You know, the, those couple of years back when we was having to put that first 11 out constantly week in, week out, we knew that was going to come back and bite us when, you know, they get burnt out towards the end of the season. So if we can change six or seven players and give key people a rest, I'm all for it. And I don't think it will do us any harm and we'll still should be able to comfortably get a good result. Well, this is it, James, because in the past you make six changes and you think, oh, God, here we go. Like, just see what happens, hope for the best. But now you're thinking, OK, it's just six changes. Let's go again. It's a nice problem to have. Yeah, the, the six players that we're bringing in are are really good footballers. And so it will still be an entertaining spectacle. And hopefully, you mean, you'd expect that we get uh, we get the result over the line. Uh, I, I think uh, I think Kane will, will get some minutes, I think, in this one, just because he, he obviously sat out. Of the, of the last European game um, and I think it's important just to just to keep the legs ticking over I, I think players like Kane don't don't like being sat on the bench so even if it's just a 10 minute cameo I, I think that's that's good for the squad and it'll be good for him too um, there's you know there's less less risk of an injury he's just getting 10 minutes on the pitch um, hopefully went towards the end of the game when the game's already won uh, and we've also, as I say, we've we've also got some some great players who should should start the game and should have enough quality to to see them off with with relative ease. Patrick, we've sort of come to the consensus that Bale will probably start, get sixty minutes. With that being the case, do you think he'll then be unleashed against Brighton on Sunday? I hope so. I hope so. I'm hoping on Sunday that we get to see Lacelso and Dombele and Hoiberg in the middle, and then the, the fearsome three up top, Son, uh, Kane, and and Bale. I'd really love to see that. So hopefully if Thursday goes to plan and Bale gets some good minutes uh, and the other guys get a nice rest, then yeah, we can unleash them at Brighton, which will be a trickyish game. Um, I think we're at home, aren't we? Yeah. But I'm hoping that, yeah, Brighton will definitely play more football than uh, than Burnley. Um, they'll try and create something or do something. So that should see a much more exciting um, game than obviously the one we witnessed yesterday. Stay with you, Patrick. With those players you just named in terms of midfield and attacking combinations... If that took to the field, is that your strongest setup for you? I'd say so, yeah, definitely. Hoiberg sitting just behind um, Endombele and Celso, which will bring you that creativity. Uh, and they'll be also able to find Bale and Son when they're making those runs and cutting in. And then Kane can drop or hopefully just stay up top because those guys will also find him when he's on the turn and, you know, get the crosses in from the from the, from the the width of, um, I would say, uh, Regulon on one side and... You know what, to be fair, on the right, I'm not too sure who our best uh, right-back is at the moment, to be fair. I'd probably go with Aurier, just off the displays of what he's done so far. Yeah, there's certainly competition there, which really, a month or so ago, no one would have either expected or even imagined him at the club. So that's quite a testament to where he's come back to. And I guess it's always good, you know, as we've just said, competition's not a bad thing. With that in mind, James, we haven't kept a clean sheet at home yet. So are we sort of angling for that on Sunday? Are we going to try and right that wrong by getting a win and shutting out the other end? Yeah, that's that's why I think I think Jose might might keep the the back four that he played against Burnley just because they they seem so solid at the back. Uh, and if you if we do keep a clean sheet, then you can you know you can almost guarantee that we're going to win that game because with the with the attacking players we've got, you'd like to think that we're going to score at least once. So I, I, it'd be nice to to get that that home clean sheet. Then obviously we've got a nice a nice run going, um, and we we said before when when Jose came to Tottenham that his his first his first thing wasn't to get us going forward, 
it was to to sort our defence out and stop us conceding so many stupid goals. And I'd like to think he's 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 come quite a way. Obviously, not not all the way. We still concede in a few uh, disappointing goals. But if we if we can get another clean sheet, then it'll be you know mission mission accomplished. Um, because our, our our attackers are always going to score the goals. I don't think. Jose's got to got to ask much of them that they're going to do that naturally. Um, it's just the defence and the the organisation and the concentration that we've got to keep. Uh, and hopefully, yeah, if if we keep a clean sheet, then then it should be three points in the bag. Actually, now you mentioned the defence, one more thing from last night's popped into my head. So, Carl, I'll throw it in your direction. Do you think after drawing to West Ham that the balance has been tilted a bit too much in defence? Thinking I've got to get this right. We can't have any lapses at the back after that shit show. Or was that more a case of Burnley doing what they do well and stifling us? I think, yeah, I think Burnley obviously wanted to stifle us. There's, there's no doubt about it, you know. And I think it's something we're going to have to get used to as the season goes on, you know. And, and it's one thing I think we're going to have to try and learn from because we're OK if a team want to come and play a high line and give us an opportunity to break, aren't we? You know, we'll, we'll take advantage of that all day long. When teams sit and play deep, um, we still struggle a little bit to be creative and open things up against them. Um, so that's something we're going to have to improve on because more teams will do that as the season goes on. Um, I do think, you know, though, defensively, when you look at a lot of the goals we're conceding, they are defensive errors. You know, they're players switching off or a player gives away a needless free kick in a dangerous area. So I do think there has had to be an element of saying to these guys, look, we want to be compact, we want to be solid, but we do need to stop these silly little mistakes which are costing us, which, you know, in the Premier League, any little mistake can cost you because everybody has enough ability to take advantage. So I do think there was also that element of people saying, look, that's just, you know, that's just try to be solid here. Nothing silly. Don't give anything stupid away. Um, and we get out of here with a result, you know. We, you know, one incident where we got fortunate was obviously Dyer when he tried that little um, flip that thankfully hit Woods on the arm. Um, and then there was a couple of incidents in the second half where Ndombele gave the ball away sloppily on the edge of the box. And I think when that happened, you could see players around saying to that player, listen, come on, cut that out, because that is what's been costing us so far. And, and that is where if we do want to be serious title contenders, then we have got to shore ourselves up and make sure that, you know, if someone's going to score, they have to work to score a goal rather than, you know, being helped and, and given a goal. Absolutely. And I guess also, you know, with the right hand sides being so weak, it would have been very easy for Barnley, sorry, Burnley to target that last night. Luckily, well, I say luckily, due to our sort of efforts, they didn't get any joy out of that. So that's hopefully the sort of blueprint for weeks to come. And we don't get sort of pinged in that corner of the pitch because it has been a bit of a weak area thus far. Right. Prediction time. James, do you want to start with Europa League or just go straight to the Brighton game? Well, I think we should probably go straight for Brighton, shouldn't we, mate? Yep, let's do that. So I'll start with you then, James. What have you got for me for Sunday? Uh, I'm going to go a nice, healthy 2-0 Tottenham. That's what I'm going to go for, actually. So good minds there. Patrick, what have you got? I'm going to go for 3-1. I think we'll come out quickly, score a couple goals, and then, I hate to say it, we'll concede late on. But the game will be done, so it won't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Is Danny Welbeck fit? <laughs> Yes, because usually he's not, so he might play, probably won't yeah. actually. But um, Carl, what have you got for me? 
Yeah, I must admit, I'd agree with Patrick. I think it's going to be 3 1. You know, I think we'll be okay going forward. I just think, you know, you've got Mope and Connolly um, and players like that. So I think we'll probably just get caught out, but it'll be a late goal for them. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to go 3 1 as well. Okay, I'll take that. As long as we win, that's the main thing. Right, that is full time. So I just need to do the admin, which is as simple as thanking the guests. Patrick, thanks for your return to action and bringing the energy. Energy. <laughs> so, yeah, no, thank you for having me once again. Always appreciated. You can catch me on um, Everyone's a Pundit, which is through, uh, through the Views TV official page. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Always, always a pleasure. No worries, mate. Let's do it again soon. James, you'll be back next Monday. Hopefully, if I haven't been set upon by angry Bernie fans. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Great, great pod again, lads. And uh, I'll see you next time. Cheers, James. And Cole, thanks for wearing the captain's armband tonight. No worries, no worries, mate. Always a pleasure and looking forward to next week. Top man. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.